Welcome to Becoming Black Excellence, the unapologetically black podcast brought to you by Kevin and Marsha. So let's get into it. Let's start building relationships, building wealth, and building a better you. Hi, welcome back to Becoming Black Excellence. My name is Kevin. And I'm Marsha, and today we have a wonderful guest, Sangay Smith, from There Are Levels to This Chick podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes, of course. We're super excited to have you on. Um, We were on Sangay's uh, podcast, There Are Levels to This Chick, so you guys should definitely go check that out. She has a lot of lovely episodes. I really do have enjoyed listening to her episodes, so I really encourage you guys to go over and listen. Yeah, thank you. That was so sweet of you to say. I definitely enjoyed listening to your episodes as well. You guys are cool cats, as they say. No one's Aw, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> we appreciate that. You are the best. discussing Black History Month through the lens of Black immigrants. Um, Just so you guys are familiar and have a little bit of background, I am born and raised in the United States. I I have um, immigrant parents from Haiti. um, And well, for me, I was born in Haiti, in my lovely country, Haiti. Born and raised, I came here in the States when I was 14 and a half. Uh, I've talked about that actually in my previous, uh, our previous episodes. Mm-hmm. So yes, um, I am an immigrant here. So, <laughs> And for you, Sangay? I am 100% Jamaican, born and partially raised there. 100% Yachty. Bullshit. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I came I to the States it. when I was 11. So yeah. All right, wonderful. So now you guys kind of have an idea of all our backgrounds. So I think this was a really interesting topic um, for us to discuss, especially because it is Black History Month and kind of um, get a perspective from a Black, two Black immigrants. Um, And then me being raised by Black immigrant parents. Okay, so I'm gonna throw this out here. I will kind of start and preface that um, For Black History um, Month, growing up, what I knew about Black history is essentially what I was being taught in school, because obviously my parents' history was different from American history. So the knowledge that I had was simply whatever I learned in school. So I wasn't getting, I would say, any additional Black American history. I got the occasional Haitian history Mm because they were very familiar with that so I mean there were times that of course if I had a black American classmate and they would say something like yeah my family and I would celebrate like um what is it Um, Kwanzaa Kwanzaa yes thank you and I was like um Kwanzaa I don't I wasn't really familiar and I was like oh I don't know what Kwanzaa is and they would kind of be shocked like what how do you not know what Kwanzaa is and I thought to myself oh my god like am I not black because I don't know what Kwanzaa is and as a young kid I think you can kind of get a little bit confused just because um I as I said my parents were Haitian so I wasn't raised with a black American culture or black American history. So obviously as I got older and I could become more familiar with that, I started understanding and learning about these holidays. But um, as a child, you could easily be confused because of another classmate suggests like, wow, right. like how could you not know that? You just think like, okay, well maybe there's something wrong with me. So I think that was kind of for me, an experience with not being so familiar with um, some aspects of Black history. I don't know for you, Sangay, if you had any similar experiences when you came 
at the well, age of 11, right? You said? Yeah. So I came over when I was 11 and I'll first off start by saying, I'll probably get canceled for this, but I still don't know what Kwanzaa is <laughs> to too, a full degree. Cause I, have, <laughs> I haven't really fully researched it. It isn't something, but um, as you were talking, something that, uh, that kind of resonated with me is as, especially when you're a kid, you don't know the difference between culture and race, right? Mm -hmm. You think exactly. that you're, you're a black person, so we're all black people, or etc. Mm -hmm. You're not, oh, that's a black African or that's a black Jamaican. Like, yeah, you know that somebody's Jamaican or not, but you don't really think about the cultural differences. So when I came over as oh. well, it there were there wasn't really a, a master class to be like, oh, this is the things that may be different or traditions. Because even some things culturally, and I know this isn't specific to Black history, but culturally, like the living with your family for a certain amount of time period or living with your family almost forever that happens in a lot of Caribbean families or mm -hmm. the level of respect that you give to your elders doesn't always resonate the same here. So like, kids mm -hmm. talking back to their parents i would look at them like you you're allowed to do that and you're alive <laughs> like mm -hmm. that happens right exactly <laughs> so that for me is 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 the biggest part and while we have in jamaica our uh history and our struggles with the british empire who was our colonizers as they like to call them nowadays um it wasn't to the same degree as black american history because the majority of Jamaicans are black. I didn't see a white person until I came to the States. So I never dealt with racism. I dealt with colorism, but I never dealt with racism. So I was like, I didn't know what that was or the lack of knowledge about being a black person because that's all I had around me. I never realized the major differences when it comes to black history and what I was coming from. Right, okay. Yeah until I actually got into college mm. because it, it, you know, at first you already, I, I know my history. Mm -hmm. And when I came here to me, I was only concerned about, okay, how can I assimilate myself in this new culture without making people realize that I'm from a different culture, for example. Right. Uh -huh. Then I realized, but when I got to college, it was different because at that point I realized it was not about assimilate my assimilate myself into this culture was about learning this culture and see recognize the differences right so mm -hmm. in in that sense i totally understand the cultural differences that you actually singly that you mentioned do you feel like you too like with world history let's say when you were back in your home countries do you feel like you were exposed to a lot of american black figures or just like only like martin luther king per se Honestly, for me, no. I think that in like island countries, like I learned about Nanny of the Maroon and I learned about Marcus Garvey and things like that, but I didn't really learn about any Black American that was not um, someone who was prevalent within our country for some reason. It was a very Jamaican-centric um, teaching. And granted, I was also younger when I left. I was more in like elementary school. So maybe as I had... I would have gotten older and maybe gotten into like middle or high school, then I would have give, been given the opportunity to learn that stuff. But I think that, um, and uh, Kevin, you could speak to this. I think that it was just more so about the people who are from that country and the pride within the, about the people who are from that country. So you're, they're emulating or they're discussing the things that make Jamaicans great or ma great Jamaicans rather, um, and how they had an impact in the world. Same here. The only person I heard from Black American history was only uh, Martin Luther King. That's it. And was that your yeah. in your first year of high school, or was it like throughout uh, elementary? I, I can't years? really pinpoint exactly when. Uh, and do you I feel learned, like it was in school you learned, or outside of school? I, I have a feeling maybe I've learned it outside of school because it, you used it, to come every summer too, yes. right, to the states. Yes, but in, in Haiti, in school. Like when it comes for history, they only teach you your Haitian history mm -hmm. and yeah. the, um, you know the main figures that actually uh, paved the way for us, our ancestors, pretty much, and how we impacted the world and how we help other nations, you know, um, liberate themselves from from um, uh, slavery and gain their independence and all of that. But overall, 
I, I did not learn anything about Black American history. Yeah, I mean, honestly. I think to add to what you two are saying, you were really taught about like your pride, your country's pride yeah, and your roots. Yeah. And um, I think that kind of brings up the question I, I have heard in the past that sometimes Black Americans think that when Black immigrants come here, they kind of have somewhat of a superiority complex. Do you think that... Hold on, wait, 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 let me ask the question. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Like, Kev was ready to jump. He in. was ready. <laughs> you was ready. <laughs> Do you think the fact that you guys have, you know your history and you know where your people come from and you know what your people have been through and you have like your roots and your connection to your ancestors, do you think that um, influences your mentality versus black Americans. Well, I was going to say, we don't really know our history to the same degree. We may have some parts of our culture, but it was still like in a way through the lens of slavery. So yeah, the yeah. history that we have and the things that we know is all still through the lens of slavery. And I do think that there's a level of not necessarily superiority, but there's a level of pride and a level mm -hmm, of definitely. um just i'm amazing or i'm awesome that you'll have with m most caribbean countries that i've encountered they're like i'm the shiznit and that's just <laughs> generally how the attitudes are because i think when you don't have a, a people around like you don't have racism where every day mm -hmm. you see someone who shows you or predicates this idea that they're better than you or in some ways makes you feel small or belittled, you're allowed to have that same level of pride. If black people were given that opportunity, they probably would have that same level of pride to a certain degree. And yeah. it probably is depending on where they were raised. And if you look at, at um, where they were raised, I think you'll find black people who have that same level of pride as well. I think it's like, who was there to influence how you felt about yourself that necessarily impacts how an immigrant feels about themselves. But you could go ahead, Kev. What were you going to uh, um, to, to piggyback on that, if you realize, I mean, at least I've, I've seen the transformation uh, in college with a lot of Black students who came in college and not knowing their history. And uh, because where I went to school, there was a, the Black studies was very important. You know, Black history was uh, thought, I mean, taught a lot. And you could see the transformation in those black students, their pride, the level of pride. And I feel like the more you know about your history, mm -hmm. the more prideful, like the, the more pride you carry. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why a lot of uh, black Caribbeans, when they come here, you know, um, black Americans feel like they're superior. It's not about like superiorities because, you know, we know more of our history and we have that pride. We carry that pride. Yeah. You know, and, you yeah. It on I, your shoulders. That is true. Heads held up high, type of attitude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it makes complete sense. No, I completely hear you. I mean, um, I don't know if you guys ever thought to yourselves when you came. Like, I don't know. Sometimes in conversation, or if you're in like family events, I don't know if you've ever experienced um, culturally the differences that sometimes uh, we notice, like between black immigrants or black caribbeans and um black americans because oh yeah as, yeah like i i know for sure sometimes you'll hear um like it could be any group like it just you're at a party and then you just hear an auntie or a distant cousin talking about oh black americans do this i don't understand it it doesn't make any sense or like in our country we have this and we have that but we don't do things like that and I don't know if it's something that's done on purpose, like, oh, trying to distance themselves from Black Americans, or if it's really just like a cultural divide. Uh, it, I think it's, it's a combination. I think it is a level of distancing because mm -hmm. if you look at the brand of Black people, Black people have a very bad brand. 
They're yeah. only known for a few things. Either you're a rapper, a basketball star, or you're these specific things that you fall into. You're always categorized. Right. So as an immigrant coming to a country and you're starting to realize that you are going to be seen as a black person before you're seen as a Jamaican, because you can't tell that somebody's Jamaican. You can't tell that somebody's African in most cases by just looking at them overall. Right. So the assumption is going to be that you're black. So a lot of times those people, they do want to distance themselves from the idea or the negative stereotypes that the black culture has within the United States. So I definitely see that mm. being a part of it. What were you going to say, Kev? And also, I think that links back to the pride that we carry as well, is that we always want people to know that we're we're Caribbean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So th then do you think like when people ask you if you're African-American or if you're black, like, do you correct them and say, no, like I'm Jamaican? Or yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm Jamaican. That's I what I am. I know for sure I do. <laughs> I always tell people, no, I'm Haitian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I and nothing yeah. wrong with that. No, I, I agree. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just feel like sometimes... Um, Black Americans take it the wrong way. They think that because you're saying, oh, I'm Haitian or I'm Jamaican, you're saying you're not black. No, they, that, like that, they, well, because that's the I thing. Think, black yeah. is your race. Right. Yeah. Your culture. There you right. go. Yeah. Right. And it's, and I think that's really kind of where the lines are a little bit blurred because African Americans do have culture to an extent, right? Well, they, they, hey. they do have they do have culture. I, to I, to yeah. an extent. Yeah, they do. Yeah, like yeah. in regards to whatever culture they've developed over the it, time yeah, that so they've they been have a here. developed culture. They don't necessarily have a, like a historical culture in the sense of, because that was stripped away. So anything right. they gained, they had to create themselves. So it always right. baffles me when I hear the idea that white people don't have culture. I'm like, well, technically black people don't have a culture that was built solely after like we were slaves everything was stripped away and we had to build from that to create the things that became our culture so we do mm -hmm. have culture but mm -hmm. we resonate and we created a black culture and there's a lot of things synonymous with it there's a lot of things whether it's music dance history all of those things that we created but it wasn't something that we carried from like our ancestors to a certain degree especially in the United States, because all of that was stripped away. This podcast is brought to you by Castile Consulting Company. Castile Consulting Company helps small business owners grow their company by implementing operational systems and financial strategies. Visit them at castileconsultingcompany.com, C-A-S-T-E-L, consultingcompany.com, or email them at castileconsultingcompany at gmail.com. So unrelated question. Mm -hmm. Am I the only person that didn't know the difference between tribe and chitlins for like the longest? I don't even know what that is to this day. Mm -hmm. You know, I watch, um, I, you know, the first time I heard about chitlins was watching family Braxton values and Whoa. chitlins. It's like, isn't it like the, the so worst the part in, of the, the, in the inner lining or of one of them is the inner lining of the stomach, which I think is tripe. And I think chitlins is the intestines. And of what uh, animal uh, again? Oh, yeah. of, is I it believe a... it's the pig. Yeah, something with the pig. And one of them smells really, really bad. I believe really, it's really the pig. Bad. The tripe might be a cow, uh, a cow, but I believe they're both from a pig. I could be wrong on where the chitlins tripe comes from, really but one's bad. the inner lining of the stomach and one is, I think, the intestines. Yeah, see, that's a prime example. Like, I we don't really eat that as he should. In Jamaica, we eat tripe. Well, I yeah, think I I, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we do. That's what, what? I would, what is eat, it? What's like they have like the manish water yeah. soup, and they will have yeah, yeah, like but uh, chitlins. That's, that's what yeah. the um. But chitlins you don't eat, right? No, I don't remember eating chitlins in Jamaica. We had tried. Yeah, they, do, they do eat that in Haiti. Okay, but Definitely. how about chitlins? Especially when you eat in Frita in Haiti. Yeah, it's, okay, it's but chitlins, you eat that? I don't think so. I've never seen. I haven't even ever seen that. Yeah, no, you don't really see it in America. But in Haiti, yes, like if you go and try to buy a Frita, you, yeah. Which is Frita is like fried. Um, well, fried, like fried food, like plantain. Um, yeah like fried pork those type of things yeah, you, um yeah see that's like a prime example just try but yeah. yeah in, in crew yeah. that's a fine example because i 
discovered that, as I said, watching a, bl a Black American family on television, and they brought that up. And one of the sisters was complaining that she doesn't eat it because it stinks. But yeah, I don't know. And what part of the chitlings is part of which animal? The intestines. I think it's the pig intestines. Oh, the pig intestines. See, that already sounds a little bit much for me. But no, oh, is. trust me, it's a lot. Yeah. You don't want it in your house cooking. Like everybody says that it smells it like. It smells animals. really bad. That's what I heard. So I think that's probably, you never know that historically, that's probably the only part of the pig they left. Maybe because and like that's like pig feet too because that's a thing. Mm hmm. Yes, that's, that's true. That is a southern thing. thing. I think though. Yeah, I think chitlins is a southern thing too. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of things come from history, you know. So it's interesting. But I did learn about chitlins as an adult. So you you're not alone on that yeah. one. Speaking of foods and history, have you been seeing this trend, this disrespectful trend of people trying fufu for the first time and calling yes. it like... My sister just told me about that. And literally from after she told me, I literally see all of these YouTubers trying fufu. Well, trying fufu and igusi and, for the first time. And then they're crapping on it and spitting it out on camera. And, and Oh, like, this tastes like dog talking. food. I was like, how could you be that disrespectful, disrespectful. to someone's culture? And I wish somebody would go on some computer and talk about Aki and Sawfish take like dog food. We gonna right? have, I have just a feel problem. Like that's so wrong. But my whole thing is also, I don't know. Have you noticed? Is the trend, is it mostly African-Americans doing this or? Uh, it's a mix of African-Americans, white people, Spanish people. It's a, it's everybody. I think it's just the new TikTok trend and everybody and their mother is trying to get in on it. And another thing, too, is, like, they're trying it. Do they even know how to cook it or they're purchasing it cooked? No, they're going to, like, a local, like, African uh, restaurant and they're purchasing it from there. Which is, as you know, you, I don't, actually, you know, I've never seen, like, a Haitian restaurant. Do they have those? Like, yes. Yeah. There, yeah. there are. I mean, usually where there's a bunch of Haitian, like, a lot of okay. Haitians, you'll find them. But if there's not a, I, a, I good Haitian, yeah. a large Haitian community, you won't find them. Uh, yeah. Well, if you come in New York, we'll take you to so many Haitian restaurants. Miami, too. I can recommend so many. Oh, yeah. Miami yeah. has a lot of good ones. Because yeah. I was like, I've, I don't feel like I've ever had Haitian food. And I'm like... I I love and I enjoy eating different cultures food. That's one thing for right. me as I enjoy trying different things. I like like Asian food, like um Thai food. I right. try a little bit of everything. But I've never really seen like a Haitian restaurant and been like, oh, let me go ahead and try this. So that is something yeah. to put on the agenda. But yeah, they're going to the if you love local restaurants. Food, well, I mean, if and, you love Jamaican food, you'll love Haitian yeah. food. We have a lot if, of similar uh, foods. If you love fried food, you should always, you know, try get yourself a plate of fritai. I'm never not going to say oh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or griot, which is like fried yeah. pork if you eat pork. Um, oh, Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, our, our peaklies is really good, which is Definitely. like this spiced, um, like cabbage, cabbage and yeah. carrot, like shredded ca cabbage and carrot. You guys have one that's similar, but it's sweet. Yeah. Instead of spicy. Um, and then what else? Oh, I recommend our rice and- not <laughs> <laughs> He's giving you all the fried good foods. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> If you love fried food, man, you can never go wrong with a plate of frita. Honestly, a plate of frita, okay. yeah. Um, so some places in Haiti, you, know, you get a plate of frita and then, you know, drink some smoothie with it. Ooh, oh, my wow. Lord. <laughs> I get it. I get, though, that Black Americans have their own history. But with that being said, do you think it's possible for Black Americans and Black immigrants to connect? Yeah, I definitely think it's possible. But one thing to to your point of what you're saying and mm -hmm. the connection, most black people, unless they're they are from a certain family, don't know their own history. And when I say a certain family, I mean a family that feels like history is important. So right. you can't be willing to pull someone into your history or uh, connect histories of different cultures if you don't even understand your own. So I right. think that's part of the thing is like even though there's Black History Month, within Black History Month, you are, the same things are regurgitated, the same common facts, the same information, the same watered down talking points. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream speech. That's a wonderful speech. He was a great person for Black history, but they're not going to 
let's take the time to really talk about um, much else because they only want to present the, oh, this is the kind of black person that you quote unquote should be like, even though they assassinated him. Because the mm-hmm. common talk is, oh, you should be like Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, yeah, we would be if you hadn't killed him. Maybe we would know what he thought um, right. about what's going on in the world. So I right. think that's a, that's a big part of it as well is that there's just most Black people don't understand their history. Because if you ask them common facts about certain people, they won't know. I agree. I agree. And I think, um, like, as Kevin was saying, we noticed that a lot um when you go to college and someone does take the time to study black studies or learn a little bit more about it, they really do become infatuated, not infatuated, yeah, but inspired. Yeah, more proud because yeah. they're like, there's yeah. so much that I didn't know yeah. because it's suppressed and not like taught to us, and they really make an effort to hide that. And, and I think there's that's a lot the, to be proud of. That's yeah. it. And you're right. They make an effort to hide it because they don't want black people to be proud mm-hmm. of, of their history. They don't want them to see the great things they've done because as, as you educate, education is the key to um, the success of any country in any world. And that's why the education system in the U S is so bad, random topic. But I think that part of the reason why it is so bad is because they don't want educated people because educated people will fight against the things that are happening and be smart enough yep. to be like, hey, that doesn't make any sense. Right. So they're trying to not only suppress the education of everyone, but they're also trying to minimize the uh, impact of other cultures because then those cultures can't have that pride to continue to stand on to build themselves up. This podcast is brought to you by Monet. Monet skincare products are natural and leave your skin very smooth and hydrating. They are great products to add to your skincare routine. So grab yours today and receive a major discount at carcastel.mymonet.com. K-A-R-L-C-A-S-T-E-L dot M-Y-M-O-N-T.com. But I think this was very insightful um, to hear you guys, your perspective, and also just knowing that <laughs> I wasn't alone and crazy in these thoughts. Um it's very interesting. I mean, we 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 share a lot of similarities um, as with Black Americans culturally, and just of course in regards to race. And I think that as we evolve, and you know, the more time we spend, and the more that we learn about American history, you can empathize and also have a better understanding. Uh, in regards to black culture and just the advancements and also the adversities that black Americans experience in the United States, um, especially in regards to racism. Um, so I think obviously, as we said, there may be minor differences in mentality and also just like, <laughs> if you could see Kevin's face when I said that. Okay. What what do you think? That, Are there not minor differences? There are major differences. No, okay. Major. I was trying yeah, to be nice, guys. That, that, you know you know why I was over here like I know she ain't say minor. She's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> uh, and, and, I don't want to be offensive. You know, I want to no, keep but, my but that's not offensive. You because, don't think no, it's offensive? No, a lot because, of black Americans find no, that offensive. No, it's not offensive because the diff, the difference only stems from one thing. Honestly, just pride. Yeah, I get it. The pride. Yeah, if you know, if actually Black Americans, if more Black Americans can become that pride. Yeah, carry that pride, you'd see that difference actually becomes even slim. So yeah, like, they believe in themselves more. Yeah, and accomplish more. And and, and to, to to it's not it's it's not totally their fault because the system actually is created in a way for them not to to know about their history. Mm-hmm. But I think also you know? too, a major difference that people don't realize being born into a system that oppresses you and immigrating into a system it's that totally oppresses different. you yeah. is completely- it's different. Yeah. It hits different. Yeah. It hits different 100%. So, um, I think of course that alone in itself will make you feel some type of way. And then also from being, being, as I said, like growing up here in the States, I I felt it like going to those classes, you know, just how you get treated differently by teachers, 
those little microaggressions that you may not understand as a kid. Like and, the, you see, I, I feel like um, that actually that's one thing you're going to have to help me with, like, you know, raising our daughter, because I feel like um, a lot of time, if you very early at an early age, if before even going to school, you, you know, feel you, that? no, you, you feel like you, you can actually teach your children about it. Yeah, that's what I'm like saying. The next generation will be a lot better. And oh, yeah. not only teaching them about, like, for example, micro and macroaggressions, I'm talking about um, their history. Not mm -hmm. only the Haitian history, also black history, mm -hmm. because they are evolving in this climate. Right. Right. You know, so it's teach them just as much positive history as, as you know. What anything that happened in history, whether it's negative, but it, it happened. Yeah. So I just feel right. like the the history that you're taught in schools in the states, especially growing up, is more it's focused. Yeah, it's very one sided. Yeah. It's just like slavery, and that was it. Yeah. And nothing else. You're so only taught about the bad things about yourself, yeah. or the not bad because bad, slavery isn't bad from the Af African American perspective. It was something that was put on African Americans. So you're only taught about the times when you were down. You're not taught about the times when you were up. You're not yeah, taught about the the towns like after slavery that were created. That like we said earlier, the banks, the things that were done exactly. um, that yeah. created these these like little ecosystems of success that were destroyed and demolished. You're not taught about the, um, the uh, not experiments, but the, what's the word? Inventions that uh, black people contributed to the world. You're not taught about all that stuff because that's going to give you that pride. You're only taught about, oh, this was when you were a slave and this is when you were getting whooped and this is when you were this and this is when you were destitute. You're, so it gives you a sense of like, oh man, that kind of sucks. But another thing that I just thought about that I think is, is really re very relevant is the phrase ignorance is bliss. Mm -hmm. I was completely ignorant of uh, microaggressions and racism when I came to this country. Yeah, so you, are, you, and me both. you are not alone. So you people and me are getting both. racist to me and I wouldn't know because yeah, I had anything that was going on. You Kevin and, and I used to have the biggest blowout fights about uh, this. Because when, like, before, I think this was the summer before you we went to college, right? Or no, or maybe this was after his freshman year. I remember we were having a fight about microaggressions. Oh, that was before and, because it wasn't college. Yeah, <laughs> about microaggressions and how, like, Black people are oppressed in the United States. And I remember this dude was all like, nah, it's not true. You know, Black Americans just think inferiorly. That's why they think that. You know, us as Haitians, we have pride. That's why we move differently. And okay, I was like, you were trying to get in a fight. Yeah. <laughs> don't. And I was like, don't know. You don't know. Honestly. We don't understand it because you we, don't, if you, you don't, don't experience, experience that. You don't understand it. So it's yeah. very hard for other cultures to come into the like to be able to see that nuance. Like once you see it and once it happens to you, then you're like, oh, like when somebody's like, oh, is that what you guys do? Or, you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember it. Kevin yeah. used to say like back in the day, if somebody like if some if you if something would happen to him or like, you know, someone would react a certain way towards him, he would think, oh, they're just acting like that because they hear my accent. He wouldn't think first, oh, they're treating me this way because I'm black. So right. I think that, like, well, did that, you but, say but, that? Yeah, it is also true that, you, you know, you're treated differently when somebody your... sees that you're an immigrant. No, I they, agree and, 100%. You know, there is this whole thing that, oh, because you're an immigrant, like, first of all, you don't know this language. Mm -hmm. And second of all. And that you're not smart. Like, the idea yeah, that immigrants yeah. are stupid is a very big yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And believe it or not, like, I came to... <laughs> I came to the I came to the states the, my first day of school I realized how behind these kids were. Oh my gosh! Did I tell you guys they didn't put me in Esau when I came to the states and then I'm still upset about it to this day? Uh, <laughs> wait, they did? Why did they put you in Esau? Yeah. Because apparently my English was a second language. Oh. How? How? Wait. It where, when, and why. That's what I had to say. I'm, I'm so confused. mad. How is your English yes. a second yeah, language? Yeah, no, that's messed up, man. They put me in Esau, I think, for at least 
at least one or two semesters in school, I was in ESOL. And then they were like, oh, she's not stupid. And then I got put in the honors classes and stuff like that. But I was like, no, I'm not stupid. And I speak English, okay? Do you so understand because, the words that are coming out of my mouth? Because you are from Jamaica. They don't understand what language people speak in Jamaica. Because you're like, from Jamaica, because you're from another culture. I don't know if it was a school policy or if other Jamaicans had struggled, or if other cultures, I don't know what it was. All I know is that they put me in ESOL, and I'm still upset about it. That, yeah, that, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the thing is, my first day of school, my first class, the first minute, like, I'm just like, you know, yes, I didn't totally understand English, but I understood a, a lot of English, right, yeah. <laughs> when I first came. And then I realized what the, these kids were studying with what the teacher was teaching them. I'm like, man, actually, I learned that back in Haiti like um, two years ago. Yep. They're I'm very like, how behind. Come, yeah, how come you guys are like right there now? You know, these things. Uh, and, and I was in class actually for that reason. Um, my first few months, few years of school in the States, I actually learned nothing because I <laughs> already learned all of these in, in, you know, in Haiti. Haiti. Yeah. Um, so... Yes, it's true. When people see that you're an immigrant, they do they do treat you differently. But at the same time, to me, that was, that's why the first thought that came to mind when somebody is treating me different, I'm like, okay, you're doing that because I'm an immigrant. And well, then to then me, this is how I react to it. I reacted to it as like, okay, you don't want to do it. I'll find somebody else to do it. So, it, Sange, for you, though, how, how long do you think it took you to recognize and understand what a microaggression was? Oh, oh, I didn't probably recognize that until I was probably in like my twenties. I don't think because I didn't understand history. I didn't understand the history of it. Like mm. I've always been a social person. I could talk to people, anyone, have a conversation with anyone. So I always present as a very friendly and nice person for the most part, because I'm going to have a conversation with anyone. So to most people, I probably come off or to some people who would have these preconceived notions, I come off as one of the nice ones or one of the good ones or whatever the mm -hmm. case may be, just me being me. But mm -hmm. as I continue to learn more about history and as I continue to see things or see the way that conversations played out or uh, the assumptions that would be made uh, when someone is having a conversation about me or about other people, then I'm like, oh, that's what they're talking about. So I think that one of the things with Black Americans that they have to understand is they have to give immigrants a level of grace when it comes to understanding microaggressions. Because if you've never experienced something, you can maybe sympathize with it a little bit, but you're going to assume it from the lens and from what you know. Just like Kev said earlier, he knew that people were going to be disrespectful or going to judge him because of he's an immigrant. So when they do judge him, he's not going to jump to the conclusion that this is because he's black, he's going to think, oh, it's because I'm an immigrant who just happens to be black at the same time. But you having a different lens, even mm -hmm. though you are from immigrant parents, you're going to be like, oh, it's because I'm black, not yeah. because necessarily that you're an immigrant. So it just really depends on what you grew up learning and what you knew. That That is so true, because um, believe it or not, when, when I open my mouth, you're going to hear my accent. Right. Right. So to me, that to me, that's what I, I'm thinking you're going by. You know, you're going by the fact that you heard my accent. You can pinpoint whether or not where I'm from technically. Right. So you're going to treat me differently. But I I, I understood micro and macroaggression or 1920. Right. Fully understood it at 20. But Marsha, Marsha kept telling me about it. Kept like literally crazy, yeah, and of <laughs> course, <laughs> I I thought it was totally different, but it was like you know in college I I started taking some classes, and then that's when they started talking about micro and macroaggression, and then they actually presented situations where somebody you could have um experienced macro and microaggression. I'm like, oh, actually, I experienced that yesterday. I experienced that like a couple minutes ago. You didn't think anything <laughs> but, of it. Yeah, I didn't think anything of it. Um. And I, you see to the point where I'm coming from a black nation, right? Yes, we have colorism. That is true. But I never, to, but like as a black person in America, a lot of black people in America, when they, um, in, in any room they are in, they always realize, oh, they are the only black person in that room. Oh, I, re I recognize that. Right. From the time I was for young. For me, like for me, um, I never actually pay attention to that. Never did. Until I took that class and they said, oh, um, like do that test. 
next time you're in your classroom, see how many black people are in your classroom, and then you will realize how few of, of us that are here. And then, <laughs> so that week you did it. Yeah, that well, the next class mm -hmm. I did it, and I realized, sheesh, I was the only black person in that class. I'm like, wow, I never realized that. I've been coming to this class for what a month or two now, and you never, ne never forget because I never paid attention attention to it. And it, it uh, that's when I started uh, now, like at that point, I started paying more attention to micro and macroaggression, kind of understood, like differentiate when somebody's treating me as an immigrant and when somebody's treating me as a black person, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, because I even, I would find like the, the mistreatment even from black people. That's yeah. why I, at first I thought, okay, you treat me like this because I'm an immigrant, mm -hmm. you know? So and we do have some black people who hate their, their themselves. They yeah, hate, yeah. So, I also say though, yes, they need to get over it and like go to therapy. But at the same time, you don't know where in the States they were born. You don't know what type of oppression and crap they've been through. So I kind of, at the same time, give that. them the benefit of the doubt. So there's a lot of psychological years. damage there yeah. and you don't know to what extent. So but, here's but, something that I want to, I've kept to your point. I want to give you just a, a little bit of a story. I think I had this conversation with my friend the other day and you're going to be like saying, gay, this is really the analogy you're going to use. Yes. <laughs> I was watching this snippet of um, Pinky and the Brain and they were talking about why Brain always wanted to take over the world. And he talked about how he was in a lab and they did an experiment where they would try to give him a piece of cheese. And every time he went near the cheese, he would get shocked and shocked and shocked. So eventually, even though they turned off the shock when they presented the cheese, he never went for it because he was, he yes, was uh, afraid. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. learned helplessness. So I believe that a major part of Black culture, Black history is learned helplessness. And what I mean by that, not to say that Black people are helpless, but they are taught that you are not going to be successful. You're never going to make it. This is mm -hmm. the only way you're going to do it. So even when the barriers are lifted, even when the ceiling is taken away and you can jump out and reach a new height, you don't do it because you've tried so many times. You've seen your grandmother, your great mother, grandmother, your mom, your dad, your cousins, your sisters, your aunts. They've all tried and they weren't able to do it. So you're thinking in your head, well, I'm not going to make it either. Why am I going to even give it a shot? Because I'm just going to be disappointed and live my life like they did, always trying and not being successful. So it's a level of learned helplessness that to what Marsha was saying has to maybe with therapy or maybe with being taught that, hey, you can make it or have a that encourages it, that can shift it. But it's not that simple as, oh, just go out and do it. Yeah, that is that is true. Which is which is something I totally understand. You know, that's why when I when I see Ayanla fix my life, a lot of people like joke around and say, "Oh, like you need Ayanla fix my life." But the work that she does for Black people and Black families is so important because, especially for, I don't even think it's especially for African Americans, just especially for Black people in general. There's so much like history and historical trauma. trauma that we don't even realize that it trickles down mm -hmm. generations yeah. and generations. And the fact that she works with families and helps them come to that revelation that you're only like this because you're hurt and you're in pain and like the people before you were hurt and in pain and didn't know any better is really an eye opener because it seems so simple, but there's so many people who cannot see that and they're so stuck in their ways or they're so damaged that there's like no point of return and you have to do the work to re-correct all that has been yeah. broken. Right. Yeah. Some, 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 sometimes like, you know, I, I feel like we have to, uh, be able to differentiate when somebody is actually, when you're experiencing the micro macro aggression and when you have to turn that off and right. still move forward. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think as a, as a culture, not just as a culture, but as a, as a people right now, we're way too sensitive. And we, yeah. we go into situations and we make the assumption that someone's intentions is bad. 
And I think it's partly like Twitter, cancel culture, all of that. That is all pushing into it because as soon as somebody does something, the assumption is that they meant to do bad and that mm -hmm. they should just be destroyed and never to be seen again. I think that is one of the worst things that has come out um, or the misuse of it rather is the worst thing. Some people deserve to be canceled and some people deserve to have everything taken away because of the level of pain and trauma they've contributed. But yeah. when people consistently just want to be like, oh, that's racist or, oh, that's, that's a homophobic or that's transphobic. And they always want to assume the worst. It continues to make people not want to be helpful, not want to say anything and just predicate this idea that we, it's like crying wolf. Every single thing you cry wolf for when you really need to cry wolf, no one's going to help you because you've been crying so long. Yeah. I think also another point to that is that black Americans more so than black immigrants, I feel have a bigger problem with that because I have noticed, like, I don't know if it's anything, if it's a, if you're at the, the post office or if you're in a work environment and a white person passes by, for instance, and they didn't say hi to you. And then the black person, the black American standing next to you will be quick to be like, oh, that bitch is racist. And I'd be like, for real? Like, how did we get there? And they're like, yeah, yeah, she is. And I'm like, but maybe she was just tired. Maybe she's hungry. It's lunchtime. Like, how did we get from her just passing by and not saying hi to she's racist? Like, I get I, it. I, I it it's a possibility. It is a possibility. Maybe she is racist, but I feel like. That, that, oh, wow. That I just feel. Like, <laughs> 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 I just feel like that's just really an extreme. And I think you do notice that. But I think it's, of course, also one, the trauma and the ultra like sensitivity. Yeah. That, I think we need to find a balance in yeah. when we. Um, well, even when it matters, like somebody walking by you and not saying hello, does it really matter in the long scheme of things? Highly unlikely. We need to find a balance between when it's important to recognize and when it's important to look at these things, because I, I think we've overstepped, uh, we've uh, overcompensated rather is the more. So we were all the way on the left side when it wasn't being addressed and now we're over addressing things. And I think we need to get to a balance because if we continue to over address it, we're just going to swing back the pendulum to the other side where no one is going to want to care. What I've realized is that when Black Americans actually now know about their history or uh, know about micro and macroaggressions, for example, right? Now they apply to every single situation they are in. And sometimes, sometimes it's not a microaggression. Sometimes, or that person just may just be a, a ignorant, or that person. No, either way, even if it is, there are certain things that you can't allow to become a crutch. You know that. When, uh, that I understand. So that you just true. like yeah. you can recognize it, move on, but don't let it affect you. That's kind of I think. Yeah, the, just have a, a, the, a level the balance. Of yeah, to, yeah, right, to, a level of awareness. What were you? What did you say? No, I said you were right, but I, I don't think it's all Black Americans. I think that there is more and more Black Americans who are using it as an awareness and learning to navigate right. it. Oh, more, yeah. more, there more. are some who just are using it as an excuse not to do better. I definitely yeah. yeah. But I think for the most part, it's just about awareness and um, kind of educating your fellow peers and neighbors right. and coworkers because it's been so many decades of this like intense racism and like covert racism that sometimes decades not decades i mean it's more <laughs> than decades but you know what i'm but and i think that people don't even recognize that they do do it and we've been seeing that we saw that in 2020 with a lot of conversations that people from all races have been having in regards to the way they perceive and treat black people so right. that's why it's important to be aware and you know, make people aware, but also, as we said, not allow have it to become, balance. yeah, have that balance and yeah. not allow it to become a crutch. Um, but with all of that said, I think this was an incredible episode. I am very grateful for you two sharing your own experiences and how um, you kind of came to America and assimilated <laughs> while still maintaining your roots and kind of understanding the culture and um the differences as well because there's beauty in both 
Definitely. Um, I think this was a very insightful conversation and it kind of shares a perspective of what we experience um, um, that maybe a lot of Black Americans are not aware of. Sometimes it's not that we're, we're ignorant or we're rude. We just don't know because it's not part of our culture or our history. So yeah. um, it showcases also two difference between race and culture. I was just going to say, Marsha, I think that, uh, or rather Kev, I think that Marsha is saying that if she allows us, we'll be here for two, three hours talking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's so much to say. Um, but yeah, I really did, though. I really did. I think this was a really great conversation, and I really appreciate it. Um, and of course, guys, I want to remind you to please go to Sangay Smith, our wonderful guest. Um, there are levels to this chick podcast. Uh, as I said, there's so many great episodes on there. I really want you to go over and take a listen and enjoy yourself. And once again, Sange, thank you so much for your time. And thank, thank you, you so uh, much for this rich conversation. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. I really um, enjoy talking you to you guys. I really appreciate um, the way you think about things, your willingness to have those tough conversations. Yeah. Um, I definitely appreciate that from you guys. So thank you for having me. No, of thank course. you. Before we leave, do, do you want to um, give a, a little, a little I mean, a snippet of your podcast? Uh, what do you usually talk about on there? What topics do you usually talk about? Sure. So for me, my podcast is geared towards really having um, conversations. Uh, it's mostly geared towards uh, women of color. Um, definitely men are more than welcome, but most of my topics as a woman, this is where I come from. And I talk about um, just the things going on in society. I talk about colorism. I talk about uh, actually one of the topics I'm going to be talking about soon is the Jezebel trope that Hollywood has um, kind of had ingrained in the idea of the aggressive or the angry black woman. So I really want to mm. highlight some of the, the things that I see happening with our culture and some of the ways that in which we can um, develop and grow into our greatness and continue to build on the wonderfulness that we are as a people like black people are amazing they just need room to be able to get that pride to the level that we wanted to and to be able to be the awesome people that we were meant to be so uh if you want to check it out you are more than welcome i'm on apple podcast i have it on spotify as well or you could go to my website there are levels to this chick.com um and i look forward to hearing your feedback and once again uh, our listeners please Go to uh, there are levels to this chick podcast. Uh, li get on, listen and tune in. Uh, once again, right, awesome. thank you. Yeah. So, um, thank, you thank you. Appreciate you so much. Um, I'm Marsha Marseille. You guys can find our email or our um, social media in the link. If you um, want to join us, um, please feel free to like, slide in our DMs. My, <laughs> my Instagram is k.l.castell. And mine is Marsha underscore Marseille, like the city in France. And we will hear from you guys. You'll hear from us, actually, in our next episode. So, bye.